The modern aeroplane was invented and the principles of aerodynamics first laid down and published by a studious Yorkshire baronet named Sir George Cayley between the years 1799 and 1810. In the first of these years, he established the basic modern configuration of the aeroplane, consisting of fuselage, cambered wings, and tail unit comprising rudder and elevator. In 1804, he built and flew successfully the first of his model gliders, and then, in a crowded life full of inventive activity in many fields, continued to write and experiment, until, in 1852 or 53, he constructed the world's first scientifically conceived man-carrying glider. This machine made at least two successful flights with a passenger. It's perfectly fair to say that all modern aeroplanes derive directly from the work of this remarkable man, including even the converted plane, actually invented by Cayley, in which the machine helicopters up vertically and then flies horizontally. In 1843, there were published throughout Europe the designs for an aeroplane called the Aerial Steam Carriage, the work of a young engineer in the lace trade, W.S. Henson. The resulting model, driven by steam, was a failure, as also was the promising successor to it, built and tested by his friend John Stringfellow in 1848. But the prophetic nature of Henson's monoplane design with its two pusher propellers, braced wings, tail unit, and tricycle undercarriage, provided a powerful stimulus and inspiration to inventors all over Europe. Parallel to the great French inventors of the second half of the 19th century came such Englishmen as Wenham and Phillips, whose work went further to broaden the scope of aerodynamics, especially in the design of wing sections. Also, the many lesser members of the new Aeronautical Society of Great Britain, which had been founded in 1866 and now formed the main nucleus of aeronautical research in this country. But one great obstacle was to stand in the way of powered flying for nearly half a century. That was the light, reliable engine. This, of course, was only made possible by the rise of the automobile in the 1890s. When the great German pioneer Otto Lilienthal was killed flying in 1896. He had at last shown the world that a man-carrying glider could be successfully and continuously flown and controlled in the air, and his tragic death was the chief incentive to those in other countries to forge ahead and build not only gliders but powered aeroplanes. One of his direct disciples, Percy Pilcher, might well have won for Britain the honour of conquering the secret of powered flight. He started gliding in 1895 and, like Lilienthal, died flying one of his gliders in 1899. Pilcher had already improved on Lilienthal and was actually constructing his first powered machine at the time of his fatal crash. His death was, without doubt, the greatest single tragedy in the history of British aviation. Then the Wright brothers in America took up the challenge of powered flight. After testing three gliders, they built and flew their first powered flyer, as they called it, on the 17th of December, 1903. By 1905, they had produced a fully practical aeroplane. This could bank, turn, make figures of eight, and keep flying for over half an hour without landing.
In 1908, Wilbur Wright came to Europe and with his wonderful performances on his equally wonderful machine, revitalized the whole of European aviation, which had been very slow in developing. As a result of Wilbur's example, a new and successful generation of pioneers arose, and one of this distinguished company, Lord Brabazon of Tara, will tell you about those momentous days of early flying. The flights by Wilbur Wright at Le Mans in 1908 staggered the world. Not only had he complete control in flight, but could even carry a passenger. This was unheard of at a time when machines could not rely on getting off the ground with the pilot alone. An Englishman, Horry Farman, an art student, a distinguished racing motor driver and a superb mechanic, got busy with a Voisin machine fitted with an Antoinette engine. This machine was a biplane with very big trailing tail, elevator in front, no side control, and a pusher. It had a very reliable undercarriage, and unlike the Wrights, could run about and get off on its own. The engine, an Antoinette, was a V8, with copper-deposited water jackets, separate fuel injection for each cylinder, and steam cooling. Altogether about 25 years ahead of its time, and very unreliable. Farman, however, won the Archdeacon Prize with a flight of one kilometre in a closed circuit at E.C. Le Moulineau in 1908. I flew myself a similar machine in 1908 by Voisin, but with a Belgian engine of Vivinus. It was a reliable engine, but had not the power, and my flights, to say the least, were sporadic. The French deserved the greatest credit for the way they pushed ahead in these early days. Le Bavasseur, with his Antoinette machine, and Blériot also, with a tractor monoplane, pointed the way for the future. And this general conception remained till pushers came in again forty years later with jets. No records about early aviation would be complete without mention of the Gnome engine. This was an air-cooled seven-cylinder engine that rotated and was therefore self-cooling. At first, due to the exhaust valve being in the head of each cylinder, it consumed more lubricating oil than petrol. But someone thought of using castor oil, which has the curious property of becoming stickier the hotter it gets. And from that moment, all was well. It was a light engine of about a pound per horsepower and gave 35 horse. Gyroscopic forces, when made in large sizes, became quite considerable and dangerous. So the cylinders eventually became anchored and the crankshaft rotated. Even today, direct descendants of this rotary engine operate across the Atlantic with great reliability. Blériot, very gallantly and rather luckily, crossed the channel in 1909 on a machine of his own. A monoplane tractor with a three-cylinder air-cooled engine that never before or after, even when copied, ever ran so long. His success was due, incidentally, to running into a very big shower of rain that cooled his engine when in sight of our shores. 
1909, rather precociously, I always thought, we had an aviation show at Olympia. My voisin, called the Bird of Passage, was the only machine that had ever got up into the air. In this machine, at the end of April 1909, I made the first flight in England by an Englishman. The Daily Mail offered at the show a prize of a thousand pounds for an all-English aeroplane to fly a circular mile. The great firm of Short Brothers, who up to that time had been balloon makers, but who had been chosen by the rights to make some machines for them, designed and built for me a machine on somewhat similar lines to a right fitted with a green engine. On this I won the Daily Mail Prize for a circular mile, which was the real start of the British aeroplane industry that has been so distinguished and progressive ever since. Contemporary with the shorts were Handley Page, the Haviland, A.V. Rowe, and Blackburn. Firms founded by these pioneers, I am pleased to say, flourish even today.